What this means is that we are going to look back on who we are, what we did, and how we have come so far. Um, so I'll be talking from my laptop. If you can just follow along with me on the PowerPoint, that would be great. So our story is that we have joined and merged when? 2011, November 5 of 2011, there were four churches, four groups. There was Poway SDA Church, there was North San Diego Filipino SDA Church, there was Growing Vine Group, and there was San Diego Korean SDA Church. Now, let me ask you, how many of you are from Poway SDA Church? Can I see your hand? Okay. How many of you are from North San Diego Filipino SDA? Okay. <laughs> how about from Growing Vine? Okay, <laughs> a few there. How about San Diego Korean? Well, I think that group um, has their worship on a separate time, so. Okay, but then how many of you have come after? And now I just came to San Diego Central. <laughs> okay, more. All right, great. Now we have become San Diego Central SDA Church from those four groups. And actually, there is another group that joined us, the Spanish group. And we built a church together. This church that we are worshiping today is the church that we built. And when did we build the church? 2015. That's when we built it. But um, there, our journey has been that we have been going through different stages of the church journey. And it's called uh, forming, norming, and performing. This has been the study that people have studied the churches. The forming stage, we had merged in November 5 of 2011, and we created a joint vision, uh, mission, vision, and values. And we built a church in two, 2011 to 2015, and we had the grand opening ceremony on May 9th of 2015. So it's been already four years. It's been four years already. And we went through that stage, and now uh, 2015 to 2019 were the norming stage, meaning we try to find what's working, what's not working, and we are balancing things out. There could have been some issues here, some things that we could improve and whatnot. And we are going through that stage, which is called norming. And now the next stage is called performing, meaning from now on, next year and so on, we are going to perform, meaning we are going to thrive, we are going to excel, we are going to do well. So that's the next stage that's happening. So the things that we are going through right now, it's all the part of the process and we'll be performing from now on. So keep that in mind. And what the leadership has been doing so far is that we've been meeting together and we've been having strategic uh, planning meetings. We met recently, March 23rd, April 20th, and June 8th next week we are meeting and other meetings to follow to re-embrace our mission, vision, values, and we are trying to see what we can do, how we can improve. That's what we've been doing so far. And our mission statement, um, we don't have time to read the whole thing, but mission statement, basically it highlights, if you can go to the next slide, highlights in yellow, says to embrace our diverse community, we meet the true needs in our genuine Christian love and draw everyone into a vibrant, transforming relationship with God and in preparation for the return of Jesus Christ. That's our mission. Are we doing that? We need to remind ourselves, are we embracing our diverse community? Are we meeting the true needs and in genuine Christian love? 
Are we preparing ourselves for his return? Are we vibrant, transforming? Or do we have the relationship with God? We need to look back ourselves and we need to see what we need to do. Our vision, if you can also go to the yellow side, it may be too small for you to read. Let me just read it from here. Our church is a foretaste of heaven. Do you agree? Do you agree that we need to be a foretaste of heaven? Yes. Actually, that's my sermon title today. Um, And also it says, in San Diego County, people come to this oasis to heal from the challenges of life. Do you also agree that our church is an oasis for people in our community to come and heal from the challenges of this world? Yes. Do you believe that we need to be the oasis that the people can find around this area? Amen. That's what we want to be. That is our vision. That is our goal. Um, And there are a lot more things to talk about, but we'll move on. And our values, we have so many different things to talk about. Uh, But basically, uh, it's important that we need to see who we are, what we need to be doing, because we could be sidetracked and we forget what we need to do. So let's keep in mind that we have these goals that we have set up, and we can maybe go back and revisit what we are doing, what we need to do. So we have analyzed a few things, what we can do as our, at our church. The strength of our church, we, I skipped a few. The SWOT analysis says the strength of our church is we are a friendly church, we are a diverse church, we have faith, we are up for the challenge of a merger, we are generous, we are open to change, willing to work together, variety of music, talented members, you agree? Yeah, and we have many, many strengths, and we can work with these. Now, weaknesses or areas that we can improve on are communications to members and between each other, and also little to no community involvement. We need to reach out a little bit more, and um, we need to assimilate, uh, meaning bring people into the team, and we I need to improve on our growth and service, like 9.30 service in the morning, and follow up with the visitors, and so on and so forth. We have a few things that we can work on, but this is all part of the growing process, and we can improve on. And when we know what we need to do, like the small group that we need to work on, and reaching in, so we analyzed a few things, and we are going to try to do what we can do to improve. And the opportunities that we have, we have the gifts and the talents that God has given us. We'll be using that to do what we need to do. And we have the willingness to improve and grow. And our name, Central, we are located in the center of the San Diego County. And our website, our diversity, our worship service, and um, all the ministries that we have, small groups that we have, and the things that we can create, All these things are the opportunities that we could use to do God's work. And where do you want to fit in? That's the question that we need to ask. Um, And, well, there are a lot of things to to work on, a lot of things to talk about. We don't have time to do that right now. But um, I'll tell you a few things that we have, the plans 
The fellowship ministry plans, we are focusing on fellowship ministry and the family ministries this year. Fellowship ministry plans, we had a gym night on, in, in March, and we have photo outing, uh, wildflowers on Mar in March as well. We have photo outing to Anza Borrego Desert. We had uh, a lot of people go out there to take pictures of the wildflowers. We had a talent show last month. We have hike, church hike happening today. And next month, we're planning to have a gym night slash game night and food festival in September, hiking, another hiking in September, gym night again in October, harvest festival in October, and Christmas party in December. And we have other events that are happening as a church. So please look forward to those events that we are having and be part of it and, and fellowship with other people and get to, learn, get to know other people. Family ministry plans, we had spiritual gift training, Mother's Day Sabbath, men's ministry dinner, Father's Day Sabbath coming up in two weeks, and spiritual gift training also coming up, women's ministry dinner, women's ministry retreat, men's ministry retreat, marriage Sabbath, uh, monthly birthday cake. So we've been celebrating birthdays every, every month, baby dedication. We have a lot of things that are happening, so we are planning to have these things and uh, planning to unite church through these events. So if you are unsure, please talk to people and um, see what we can do to celebrate and what we can do to improve. So please keep that in mind. And also, lastly, and I'll spend the next few minutes talking about this event. <clears throat> As an outreach or inreach, we are planning to have something called Golden Bell. And that is the highlight of what we will be doing uh, that's what the church leadership has decided recently. What it is is that it was actually a TV program that was invented in Korea. It's actually an uh, uh, elimination game. <coughs> the actual program is that uh, they visit a school and they invite all the high school students to come and sit and they take quizzes on history, math, uh, uh, language and arts, music, whatever, all different areas that they have studied because they are studying for SAT, and that, that's what they are studying. So they have these 40 questions, and everybody takes the quest, uh, questions, and if you guess the answer correctly, question correctly, then you go to the next level. If you get eliminated, then you get eliminated. And after they pass 40 questions, or 39 questions, they are given the opportunity to ring the golden bell if they guess the final question, which is number 40. And it's an honor for the whole school and the student as well, because that means they have, you know, uh, went through the challenge and they get, they ring the golden bell. Now, <clears throat> the pastor team or the team in ministry team in Korea has adopted this into a church program and they turned it into a Bible golden bell. And it's a program that they developed in Korea. Basically, what they do is that they give questions from the Bible, 40 questions. The first questions are easier. And then as, you, as it progresses, it gets a little more difficult. Now, they are using the um, baptismal study guide, books, the five books that, booklets that they have as a basis of giving questions from. And uh, Pastor Kim and I have, well, he summarize it. I translated it into English, and it's available outside for you to pick it up. It's like two and a half pages long. So you can, or five pages long, you can study that, and they will give you a basis of what questions will be on there, and you can guess the answers. 
and there are Bible verses to memorize along that line as well. Now, when you memorize the Bible verses, does that benefit you and your faith? Yes. And it will help you answer those questions. If you memorize all the Bible verses that are in there, in the booklet, there are separate, two separate printouts. If you do that, then you'll be able to most likely answer all those questions and ring the golden bell. Now, that happens, that's happening on November 16, 2019. So you have about five months to prepare. That's enough time for you to study the Bible and memorize the Bible verses. And <clears throat> when, you, when you ring the golden bell, what happens? Because this is the program that they developed in Korea, all the prizes and everything is in, in Korean. However, we are, this, our church is the first church to do it in English. So we are convincing them to change and convert their prizes into the American term. But let me give you an example of what they give out. It's not, they don't give out just $20 gift cards and say, oh, great job, thank you, well, congratulations. It's not that. If you add up all the prizes together, the prize that the winner of Golden Bell will receive is, adds up to about $5,500. So they are giving out gift certificates. They are giving out uh, travel vouchers. They are giving out a, a health screening uh, something. Uh, I've, there is no term for that. But health screening at the Adventist Hospital there, which you can do all the health screening, at, which is the value of about, the value of about $3,000, I would say. That's what they're going to give out. It's not just given out to one person. Anyone who rings the bell will be given all of those, not divided among them. All of them will be given out. So, we are trying to see what they can do. Instead, we are maybe trying to do, I'm just throwing out wild ideas. Maybe you can get a, a, a ticket for a cruise to Alaska, or maybe flight tickets to Hawaii. I don't know. Uh, maybe hotel stays for somewhere, or maybe gift certificates like Macy's for $300, or Amazon for $500, I don't know. We are just thinking about what ideas to do. But we are trying to get the whole church excited and challenge yourself to do this because all of you potentially can do this. All you need to do is just remember, study a few things and memorize the Bible verses. In the end, that will help you, your personal life. And when you go out to meet someone and if you need to witness the Bible verses that you've memorized, the things that you've studied, are in the back of your head. You don't have to think, oh, where's my pastor? Can I ask this question? It's already there in your head. So we are trying to help you prepare for this. And this will be our evangelistic meeting in an effort to something like that. So that is happening. So keep that in mind. And that's part of our state of the church. And that will be coming up. If you have any questions, Please come ask me or Pastor Kim, and then we'll be happy to answer your questions. Okay? So, we invite you to support, help, and pray for uh, these events that we have created and to turn our church into a foretaste of heaven. Now, <clears throat> let's have a quick prayer before we start our message. Let's pray.
Father God in heaven, we want to see heaven. We want to taste the taste of heaven. Please bless us as we share your message today. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to book of Ezekiel chapter 37, and I'll be reading from verse 1. And the Bible says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out, of, out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the valley, middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. <clears throat> I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy a son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from four winds, O breath, and breath, breathe into these slain, and they may, that they may live." <clears throat> So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I'll bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I'll put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, <clears throat> here, the Bible says, gives the story of the Valley of Dry Bones. I I'm sure you've heard this story many, many times. But now, I want you to imagine with me, with your imagination, picture in your mind what you see. You are in the middle of a desert, a valley. What do you see? What do you imagine? What do you hear? You hear the winds. There aren't a lot of trees. Maybe just some tumbleweeds here and there. Very dry. Rocks, dirt, stones. And it's very dry and ugly. And what else do you see on the floor? All over the floor? Bones. Dried human bones scattered all over. And God brings um, Ezekiel here. And he says, walk up and down the, the valley. And he's like, oh, he, he's walking around. Now walk with me in your imagination. Walk with Ezekiel. Walk around. What do you see on the floor? Skulls, femurs, hip bones. And I'm assuming that as he was walking around, he may, he may have stepped on a few and cracked, crushed some bones there. Who knows? 
Uh, that's how it was. It's like, oh, scary, scary place. And God asks him the question, do you think these bones can live? What do you think? Do you think these bones can live? And he says, God, you only know. I don't know. You know. And God says, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Isn't this an amazing story? And God says, here we see the dry bones on the ground, but prophesy my, my word and breath will enter into these bones and these will come alive. And Ezekiel says, uh, okay, you want me to say, talk to these bones? It's like you're talking to rocks, like dead sticks. It's not like you're talking to people or talking to a church congregation on Sabbath morning, nicely dressed up, nicely combed hair, and sitting nicely to listen or to praise God, to pray. It's just bones all scattered. It means it's been years since they have died. And there is no hope of resurrection whatsoever. And Ezekiel was like, okay, I'll just say what you, what you tell me to say. And he prophesies. And as he speaks, verse 7 says, as I was prophesying, as he was saying, before he finished his prophecy of the Lord, what happens? He hears noises. He hears rattling sounds. What's happening? The bones that are there are coming together. They are making rattling noise. They are coming together, joint to joint. They are forming skeletons, basically, bones. And then what do, you, what do you see after? See the tendons, the muscles, the flesh coming together, becoming a body. And after he was done prophesying from dry bones, what do you see? Vast army of dead bodies. <laughs> Would that be amazing or would that be scary? That would be scary. I'll, I mean, if I were there, I will have goosebumps all over. Like, you see dead bodies all over the valley. Like, God, what happened here? <laughs> but they were dead because they were not alive yet. They were dead bodies, right? And the second time, the Lord says, Now, prophesy again to the breath come from the four corners, four winds, and enter into these bodies. And as he prophesied, as Ezekiel prophesied, the breath, there was wind, and the breath came in, and they came back to life. That's exactly how God created Adam. Remember? He formed Adam, and then what did he do? He breathed into his nostrils, and he became a living soul, living being. And that's what happened. The breath entered into their bodies, and they became living soldiers. Now, come to think about it. Now, if you think about it, they were, the bones were in where? In a valley. Now, what's a valley? It's a place between two hills or two mountains, a valley. Remember the story of David and Goliath? If you read the story, where was the Israelite army and the Philistine army, where were they pitched? 
on a hill on each side. And to fight, they would come in the middle, which is the valley, and they would fight. So, where is the story found? Uh, a valley is a place where they come and fight. And the story of David and Goliath says exactly that. And so the valley, 1 Samuel 17.3 says, the Philistine occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley in between them. So that when David and Goliath came to fight and David cut off his head and they went and conquered the whole army, that was in a valley. So a valley full of bones, what does that mean? All the soldiers got defeated, got killed, mocked, ridiculed, died, abused, cursed. Now, if there were all the bones scattered away, that means before they became bones, they were what? Dead bodies. Before the dead bodies, there were living army of Israelites, and they got defeated, and that's why they were there. If somebody dies, normally what happens? If your family member dies, what do you do? You just leave them there? You go bury them, have a funeral and bury them. But for the fact, knowing the fact that these were, there were bone, dry bones everywhere in the valley, did they get the proper burial? No. What does that mean? In, an, in a Jewish culture, just as much in our culture as well. If a dead body is lying on the ground and no one is going there to take care of the body or bury them, bury the dead body, what does that mean? It's a curse. It's a curse. What's going to happen if you leave a dead body out in the field? It's going to rot. Before, rot and stink. But before that, what's going to happen to the body? Do you think the body will be well-preserved? The animals will come and try to destroy the body, eat. Oh, we have vultures, we have raccoons, we have, what else? We have all the animals you can imagine. Oh, they will say, oh, we have a buffet here, <laughs> a nice feast. <laughs> they will come and they will eat them up. Knowing there were dry bones everywhere, means they were defeated at one time. And nobody was able to come and take care of their body. And it's possible the enemies have come, swept through the dead bodies, collected what they could collect, all the money or weapons or armor, whatever they could find and they could reuse, they have come and collected them and left them probably naked. And besides that, Besides that, not only they were mocked, ridiculed, and defeated, and killed, when they got killed, does that mean they were wounded? Yes. Do you think some of them had broken bones? Cut off their limbs? Yeah. Decapitated? Yeah. They were utterly defeated. That's how they were. No hope, defeated, lost. And Ezekiel walks in there, and God says, speak 
to these bones. And when he did, while he was speaking, there was a noises, rattling of sounds, and the bones came together, and they became, they stood as a mighty army. And God says, who are these people? Israelites. Israelites. Now, Ezekiel was a prophet of during what time of Israelites' history? During the exile. Meaning, the southern kingdom of Judah, when they were, when they were sent into exile in Babylon, um, that's the time where Ezekiel served. So, the Jerusalem siege was 588 B.C., and Ezekiel's vision, people, uh, scholars, presume that this was 585 B.C. So it was only a few years after the exile they went into Babylon. And when was the destruction of Babylon? Many decades later, 457, no, 539 is the destruction of Babylon, and decree to rebuild Jerusalem was 457, the 2300-day prophecy. So this prophecy only came only a few years after their exile into Babylon. So think about it. Israelites, they got defeated from Babylon. They were all here in, Jerusalem, here in Babylon as slaves, except for a few people like Daniel and other, other royal people. They are lucky and they're studying and whatnot, but other people are there as slaves. And they're living their lives. And they're thinking, you know what, God, we need to go back home. And God has promised that seven years later, they would, I will bring you back. But 70 years is a long time to go because only like year three now. And do you think they were full of hope at this time? No. Their hearts were discouraged. We are here in a foreign land and we have lost Jerusalem and we'll be dying here. That's what they're thinking. And at that time, God sends Ezekiel and gives him this vision and says, dry bones. Yes, you may feel like you are defeated. You may feel like you are dead. But I am God. I can do anything from dry bones to a vast army. I can give life. I can resurrect. I can return you back home. That's the message that God is giving to Ezekiel, to us today as well. Verse 14, I will put my spirit in you. The word spirit in Greek is ruach, ruach. Now, that means the breath, the breath of God that is giving life to us, the life that God has given to Adam, the life that God has told Ezekiel to give to the dry bones, the word is ruach. And that, that word in Hebrew I will put my spirit in you. That's the word that God is speaking to us today. And God says, if you think you are dried up, if you think you are defeated, if you think your faith is all defeated and lost, there is no hope. God says, I'm going to put my spirit in you. God has told that to Ezekiel to tell the Israelites thousands of years ago, but the same God is speaking to us today. If you think your faith is dried up like the dried bones, there's no hope, you're all defeated, you're you are ridiculed, you're mocked, and you're defeated, and you're killed, and you're dead. Animals have come and eaten you, and the only thing left is dried bones. There's no hope. And God says, 
I will put my spirit in you. I'll put my ruach in you, and I will revive you. That's the message God is giving us today. After many years of merger, building of the church, we went through the merging stage and norming stage. Now we are at the verge of norming to performing stage. At this time, we need to pick up our faith and move forward. And we need to revive. You see dry bones around you? That means it's time for us to invite Ezekiel into our lives and have the word of God spoken to us. Now, let's, let me ask you a question. What was the key point? What were the two things that were needed from, for the bones, dry bones, to become the vast living army? There were two things needed. There was one that was needed. Who had to come? The prophet of God had to come. The prophet needed to be there. Second, what did the prophet, prophet have to do? Prophesy in the word of God. Word of God has to be proclaimed and had to be heard. Now, for us to revive, for us to live again, for us to resurrect and become the vast army of God from the dry bone stage to a living, vast army of God, we need to have a prophet of God come to us. Prophet of God, well, the prophet of God and the word of God, I guess, is the same thing in a way. What is that? Basically, the Bible, the Word of God. When we hear the Word of God, when we hear the Ruach, the Spirit of God in us, then we can move from the dry bones to a living being to a vast army. Do you want to be lying on the floor as dry bones? Or do you want to stand up on your feet and be part of God's vast army? And I pray that you invite Ezekiel to your heart and, and have the word of God heard in your ears. All you need to do is ask God to bless you with the word of God. Now, I have, I'm just halfway point through my, point through my sermon. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to finish this in like next few minutes, but I'm going to try. Because my sermon, t sermon title is A Foretaste of Heaven, I'll try to share this story really quickly. I was canvassing on a street in Oshawa, no, in Ottawa, Canada. I was only about 22 years old. Uh, I just came to the United States. I didn't speak English. My English is still faulty, but back then it was really, really poor. And I didn't want to go canvas. Canvas meaning you go knock on door to door and sell Christian books, like cookbooks, children's storybook, and whatnot. And if you know anything about knocking on doors, it's not fun. <laughs> it's not easy because people, do you think people will come and say, hey, hey, I'll, I'll buy your book for you. Uh, here, how much is it? Here's the $20, here's $50. Do you think they will do that? No, they will say, oh, I'm not, I'm not interested. Get out of here. They just slam the door in front of you. You, you re face rejection every single day, hundreds of times. And you have to put on a smile and talk nicely. It's not easy, <clears throat> but I volunteered to go and do that because my friends, first of all, recommended me to go. So like, oh, maybe I, I'll be with my friends. Maybe I could go, but my English is not good. But the main reason I went is because I needed to pay tuition and I didn't have money. 
So like, I have to go and make money anyways. I'm, let me just go. And I dragged myself into that and I just went. And sometimes it was good, sometimes it was bad. But I mean, I had my friends and I was learning and, and so on. So that's what I did. <clears throat> and one day, I was walking on this street and I could hear from the radio that we all had radios. Other people radio uh, paging their leaders. Leaders, uh, please come and give me more books. I sold some books. I sold some books and so on. I hear other people talking all the time. And I have not sold any book that day. And hours passed by, and I've been walking all day long with heavy bag, with full of books in my bag. I didn't sell any book. And at the end of the day, after many, many hours, that like maybe three, four in the afternoon, I'm like, God, what am I doing here? I mean, you brought me here to do something. And I thought I was working for you, like, you know, spreading the gospel and selling the great controversy, steps to Christ and all those, all those things. But I haven't sold anything. What's going on? And I was angry, I was upset, I was tired, I was discouraged, and, and I said, I sat down on the floor, I mean, I sat, I just collapsed on the street, literally, and I said, I was just sitting on the floor, I didn't care what clothes I had, I was like, God, do something, I'm dying here, do something, otherwise, I'm just, just going to keep up and go home, and then I prayed that prayer, and then I walked, I stood up, and I walked again, I went on, continue, because I had to go anyways, I went on, <coughs> Two doors later, I knocked on this door, and this lady opens the door. <coughs> and she says, oh, hi. And then I, I give my, my lines, like, my name is so-and-so, and I'm doing this, and here are the books and whatnot. And she, she, she stops me right there. And then she says, hold on right here. And she brings a small book. And she opens up, and she says, do you know this book, or do you know this quotation? I'm like, what is it? Unless you, are, you have this, I'm not interested in you. And I look at the book, guess what? No, it was the Sabbath school quarterly lesson book. I'm like, lady, where did you get this? <laughs> that tells you that she's Adventist, right? And she was like, well, I don't know what this book is, but I really like the quotes in this book, and I want some more of it. Do you have it? I'm like, yes, I have a bag full of those. <laughs> what happened was that she was not Adventist. She was living in another country. <clears throat> but then she had gotten married to a Catholic man in Canada, and she had moved here, and she's been living here in Canada, in Ottawa, for many years. After she had moved out of her house, her parents got converted into Adventism. And they had been attending church, and they have been sending... The, over, uh, the old, old Sabbath school quarterly lesson books to her so that she could read. So they were from the last year and whatnot, past quarters, and she has been reading. But every time it says, Steps to Christ, these are ages, or our great controversy, and she doesn't know who they are, I mean, what those books are. And it's like, I mean, I like these quotations a lot, but I don't know what these books are. Can you help me? I'm like, yes, I'll be happy to. And I pulled out all the books that I had. And like, this is Desire of Ages. This is Life of Jesus. This is Steps of Christ. Help you to, to like, you know, how to reach God and all that. And she was so thrilled. And she, you know what she said? When you came, when you knocked at my door, I had a choice either to accept you in or reject you right away because I knew I saw you in my dream a few times before. God told me in my vision, in my dream, that I'm going to send somebody 
so that you can read the things that you read in the quarterly lesson book. Soon, the person will come. She said, I've been waiting for you. I didn't know who you were, but I've been waiting for you. I saw you in my dream. And I was going crazy. I'm like, a few minutes ago, I was like, pray to God, like, God, what am I here? <laughs> what, what am I doing here? Like, I want to go home. That's what I said. Five minutes later, I was talking to this lady. Her name was Nancy, <clears throat> and she ended up buying Great Controversy and Desire Ages from me. She couldn't afford to buy everything, but I was just so happy. And she signed up for the Bible study um, card, and I gave that to the local pastor. And I came home with my team, and I shared the testimony, and we were all happy, and I was so thrilled, even though I only sold two books. I was so happy. And then the summer was gone. <clears throat> I went back to school. And then the next summer, I came back to Canada, the same city, as a leader this time. And we were canvassing, and we were doing the same thing, knocking on doors, and a lot of rejections and whatnot. <clears throat> One Tuesday night, we went to attend the prayer meeting of a local church. We, we should actually be on the street, knocking on doors and making more money. But we instead, we decided to go attend uh, prayer meetings each Tuesday night because, you know, I mean, we need more prayers. So we went to pray. At the end of the sermon, I heard pastors preaching. At the end of the sermon, we divided into smaller groups, broke into groups, and we prayed. I prayed with a local church member, and then we prayed a prayer and so on. At the end of the prayer of uh, my another leader, my teammate, came to me and said, hey, Joshua, do you remember this lady? And like, who is she? <clears throat> I didn't recognize her face at first. And she said, uh, my leader, Linda, said that her name is Nancy. When I heard the name Nancy, I was like, oh, this is that lady. The lady that I met the year before and who bought two books from me had, follow, had followed up with the Bible study and she attended Net 99, listened to the sermons of Doug Batchelor, and she got baptized two weeks prior to that prayer meeting. And she was attending that church as a member. I was so happy to see her that she not, she not only just bought the book and just left it there, she continued on. And she continued on to be a member of the church and she got baptized. I was very happy. Fast forward about 20 years. Last month, or now it's two months ago, in April, remember we had, uh, I, I invited a friend from Canada and pa uh, pastor, our elder Jonathan Zira came and he had a revival meeting. <coughs> had a lot to catch up, so we were, I was, we were talking, and he said, um, he's, a, he's a speaker, and he goes to different churches to speak, and he went to visit that church, that Nancy's church in Oshawa, in Ottawa, Canada. He went there some months ago, and he was listening to a testimony, and Nancy was giving a testimony at that time. That means she's been still attending church after 20-some years. She's still faithfully going to the church. And she was sharing her testimony, and she was talking about that day of us meeting for the first time, and also how she came to church, and the year after, how we met at, after the prayer meeting. And Nancy said, <clears throat> when I met Joshua, he forgot, she forgot my name, but I forgot, I, I remember that Asian guy who, whose English was like, she spoke broken English, but he came and he sold me books. And then a year later, I met him at this prayer meeting at this church. And she was talking of, about of her experience and said, you know what, when I think about the experience there, it's just like a foretaste of heaven. 
Jonathan, just last month, told me that from her testimony. 20 years later, she shares that that experience was like a foretaste of heaven. Foretaste of heaven. What is heaven going to be like when we go there? And can we experience a foretaste of heaven here on earth? When we go to heaven, <coughs> we'll be sharing our stories. The stories that do not link, do not, that are cut off. Because I only know my version of story. But when we go to heaven, when we meet up with other people, we'll be sharing the stories of how we did something, and we never know, we never find out how we influence other people to come to God. But when we go to heaven, we will share those stories. We will hear powerful testimonies all around. Can you imagine what Stephen is going to be like when he goes and sees Paul or Saul? You stoned me. And now you wrote half of the New Testament? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Those things will happen up in heaven. And that can happen here on earth as well. When we do what? What did we do? What did Nancy do? What did I do to experience the foretaste of heaven? We share the gospel. We did God's work. We went out. We did God's work. We shared God's word. When we share God's word, just like Ezekiel shared God's word, and then the word became ruha to become to bring life out of dead, dried bones, and that became a living army. Just like that, we could do the same. When we share God's word, we can share the foretaste of heaven here on earth. Do you want to taste the foretaste of heaven? Do you want to share the word of God? When we do that, we can taste heaven here on earth. And I pray that we will all experience God's for, uh, foretaste of heaven. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you that you have given us hope. To us who has lost hope, who have been defeated, who have been mocked, ridiculed, cut, and killed, and left with no hope. But Lord, you have given us hope. You have given us your spirit, Ruach, so that we could live again. Lord, help us to hear the word of God. Help us to share the word of God so that we can experience heaven here on earth. This church may be a foretaste of heaven. Bless every single one of us so that we could experience the honeycomb and the honey of the word of God. Bless us, Lord, so that we could live again. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise team, please come on up.